microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Episode Wookie Radio. It is the Smugglers Three. Derek, Ken, and myself, Mike. How are you guys doing? All right, and doing be, pretty good. And I'll be asking you again, Derek, in a couple days. Let's All right. <laughs> uh, get the business stuff out of the way real quick. Check out the website WookieRadio.net. Yes, I know I'm behind. I'm putting episodes up there, but your feed is still good. So keep listening. Thank you. Uh, I am trying to get caught up. I'll probably get caught up this weekend. Um, but check out our affiliates. Supporting them supports us. Check out our partners, FoundMe, F-O-U-N-D-M-I dot com. Get some really cool Star Wars Bluetooth trackers. Um, we love ours, and you'll love yours. And I've actually used the selfie mode. Quite, a, I used the selfie mode with Joe Caramagna, who's a Marvel letterer and also writes... Uh, DuckTales and a few other books for, for Disney. And a lot of the books that he letters are the Star Wars books when he does letter. Nice. So I can see you using a lot of selfies, Mike. I don't, You're a selfie type of guy. I'm not a big <laughs> selfie guy. But um, but having that option of using it instead of trying to finagle the button, you know, holding the phone and finagle hitting the buttons, like, nope, just pocket. I'm going to hold the phone here and chink, chink, chink. Um, but Heroes and Villains, another partner of ours, just released on a good chunk of shirts, size 3X. I know all the storyboard shirts are on the 3X for Star Wars. Uh, right. Some of the indoor stuff is not out yet in 3X. I, I can't wait for that, though. Uh, but their storyboard shirts are great. And, of course, with Found Me and um, Heroes and Villains, go to their websites, click on it. The picture's on, the homepage, on our homepage. Takes you right there. Use the code SMUGGLERS for 15% off your first purchase. Also, too, check out our web store uh, for your hats, T-shirts, sweatshirts, hockey jerseys, baseball jerseys. The Mandalorian jerseys are coming soon, but you can get our Chewbacca jersey on there now, along with the regular. And, Ken, you'll like this. Derek and I were talking last week about a, quote-unquote, smuggler's edition that may look like Han Solo's nice. shirt and vest. That'd but, be cool. So, since you know what, you could actually pull off doing that with a, in a um, baseball jersey because a lot of the teams that now have the two part baseball jersey where you wear the undershirt and then there's almost a vest over the top, yeah. where it's a sleeveless jersey over the top of it. You could pull, hmm. we could pull that off if they could do that as a two part. I mean, it would cost more, obviously, but they could make the that style jersey maybe. Well, I was, I was thinking about doing just a regular baseball jersey instead of the sleeveless. Yeah. And, and, and have the the sleeves be like the the normal beige sleeve, but yeah. the, and then 
part of the opening look like the sleeve and the rest of it look like solo's vest because i found out for that i found i was i was looking at um at wikipedia and a lot of the smuggler pictures they were showing from like the comics they all have the same han solo style look that's because a lot of those are probably taken from the old marvel comics where they just modeled everything after the pictures they already had probably Uh, speaking of old Mar- Marvel comics, I picked up today the Marvel 80th anniversary edition of Marvel, but uh, issue 108 of the original 77 yes. run. So oh, yeah. it was that special they did in honor of the original series. And I also picked up our part-time co-host, John Tyler Christopher's action figure variant cover for it as well. Nice. Yeah, I got to call my shop tomorrow, see if they still have a copy of uh, Age of the Republic Obi-Wan. Because I'm, miss- I'm discovering I'm missing that one. So, yeah, it's not a good thing for me. I'm I'm actually I'm actually being somewhat of a completionist with with this run of Star Wars with Marvel. So see, I wish I could do that, but I'm, it's too expensive to be a completionist in most just about anything. Mm, it, it's been it's been fairly easy. Like I said, I'm missing this one book. I think I may be missing a True Believers title here and there, but I think I've got everything. Yeah, I had to limit my comic pool list down to like five or less so there's a i mean it, luckily um most of the books i want are within that but yeah see <laughs> it's my, hard to keep it going sometimes well most of my pull is 90 percent of the time it's afra and star wars and i do i do yeah. get uh west coast avengers but with the um with this whole age of the republic where they're releasing like three or four titles at in one week it and they're all one shots that's what kills me yeah so yeah. Um, but, uh, the solo adaptation, I gotta get caught up on. Uh, I do have the, uh, all of solo Imperial Cadet, uh, TIE Fighter. I've got Vision, Dark, Dark Visions, the new Vader one off. I've got, there's another one, uh, there's another five issue mi- or four issue mini, I think, coming for Vader as well. So, a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of Vader focus. So, um, speaking of Vader, uh, how about, Let's go back to the beginning, 20 years ago. Okay, that's not the beginning. But it's episode one where we see the beginning of Darth Vader. Yes. It's a little itty-bitty boy. We couldn't, let the, we couldn't let the 20th anniversary of The Phantom Menace go by without at least mentioning it on here. Well, considering it came out, the, what, Memorial Weekend in I believe so, yeah. as well. And, of course, Memorial Weekend this, just passed. Yeah, this May has been the month of um, anniversaries for Lucasfilm. Yeah, the 20th anniversary of The Phantom Menace, you have, um, what was it, the... 42nd of New Hope. Yeah, the um, the 30th anniversary of um, um, The Last Crusade. Yeah. And the, um, I think the 35th anniversary of Temple of Doom. I think so. Plus, like you said, A New Hope's got the big, what was it, 45? 42. 40th? 42. Okay. Which one came out in 79 was actually Empire, wasn't it? 80. 80, okay. 80, yeah. It was 77, 80, 83. And then so this was like, uh, yeah. 99, 2001. Was it 2001 or 2002? The 2002 and then 2005. One and three, I believe. Or they, one they, and five? Two, five? I think it was two, five. A minute. Two and five. Episode, episode one came out in 99. So. Um, okay. 80, yeah, you got 99, 2002, and 05. Yep, that three-year gap. And now we're shrinking that down to a two-year gap. Mm-hmm. So, because it'll be 20, 22, 24, 26. Yeah. 
I wasn't on here when you guys actually were talking about, I think, the news story with the um, new release schedule of everything. That um, that all of a sudden makes it – remember we were saying that actually falls right into place with what we were thinking um, we had said the week before. Yep. About Indiana Jones being the next priority and then Star Wars after that. And also, if there, it makes sense for their celebration schedule that you had mentioned last week or yep. a couple months ago. Because if they, they move celebration next year, then they do it in two years. That puts it on 2022, the same time as a film release, do it yep. another two years, yep. and they're in line with it. So you do celebration on even years, D23 on odd years. And celebration's dropping six months before the movie. And then the... The odd the odd years in either the spring or late fall, you do celebration overseas every other year. Mm-hmm. So say like 2021, you got D23. 2022, you have celebration. 2023, you have D23 and celebration overseas. Depending on how um, it goes with Comic-Con this uh, um, next month for Marvel, I could, I could almost see them looking into doing a Marvel centric show. Marvel will not most likely will not be at Comic-Con. No, they already Movie are was. at Comic-Con this year. Are I know they, Marvel is Marvel in general is at Comic-Con this year. Have they announced it? I haven't seen. Somewhere they I read it somewhere that they they will have a presence at Comic-Con this year. So that's what I'm saying. I'm wondering depending on how well, they do the, there, how they like the reaction there. The Disney, com- I would not put it past them to think of, to do a Marvel convention. Because Marvel's even bigger universe than Star Wars. Yeah. Well, the comic, the comics are usually there. They usually have a booth. But the yeah. but Marvel Studios probably not because of D twenty three being two months after that. Yeah. So. See, because I could see that I could see Disney winning D twenty three. They they'd mention Star Wars and Marvel, but have them focus on Disney. Right. Because there's so much going on with Disney. But with D23, that, that is literally the convention that is the state of the company, state of the company yeah. address. This is where all the park news comes out, where, where they're going to announce more info about Star Wars Land going in Disneyland Paris at Walt Disney Studios in Paris. Uh, this is where potentially the, the rumors for an expansion of a Galaxy's Edge may be addressed. I mean, part the, the, the sections of the park aren't even open. There's already rumor spreading of potential expansion. Mm. And realistically, I don't see how it could happen at either place. I mean, we stretched out as much as we could. Yeah. Um, but getting back to the Ten Phantom minutes. Menace, um, here's some f- from StarWars.com. Here are some f- behind-the-scenes facts and anecdotes straight from the people who were there. One, George Lucas wrote Episode 1 by hand with just a pencil and notebook paper. See, that's not a surprise because anybody who um, so anybody who's going to StarWars.com has seen the documentaries. And the making of documentary for The Phantom Menace, actually, they flip through the notebook. Yeah. And, but the other thing is, too, he does all his scripts this way. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, so. if you take a look at um, Star Wars, at Star Wars, it's the same way. The initial script mm-hmm. is, is on paper. Yeah, that was why part of the joke was when Disney bought um, Lucasfilm, they also bought the notebooks. Yeah. Because he had these loose leaf <laughs> notebooks that, full of ideas that he, stuff he had written down that we hadn't seen yet. Yep. Uh, two, one of the biggest influences on making The Phantom Menace was the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Not only did a significant number of the television crew and production team later work on Phantom Menace, but most of the techniques that were perfected during the series were then used on Episode 1. Um, Rick McCallum 
who was the producer of the prequels, called the called Young Indiana Jones a taste a testing bed to learn a new way of making films. Yeah, this is another one we were told before, I believe, but the cool thing with this is it also confirms what we were um, some of the other speculation we've had for the last couple months that um, Lucasfilm really uh, for a long time has basically been able to sustain one big project at a time yep. because they went. Uh, what was it? Willow. Then on the um, Indiana Jones Last Crusade. From there, the next project was this one. And Lucas even said this was uh, um, doing the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles was uh, told him he could do Star Wars again now. Right. And he went straight from this into producing Star Wars. Right. Jar Jar Binks was originally designed with green skin. And here I didn't think he could get any uglier. I'm surprised they didn't bring up the other part of it. What? Well, the- um, you, you look at this concept model, he almost looks like something out of a Dr. Seuss book. Yeah. Well, the other part yeah. was, um, you guys have heard what who Lucas's favorite Disney character was, right? Goofy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you look at Jar Jar, it is it's a Star, Star Wars, Wars version Goofy. of Goofy. Yep. <laughs> now, the, the design team later realized that the that most aquatic creatures on our own planet don't support or don't support green hues. So they changed the skin tone to orange instead. Oh, I did see at um, the flea market this weekend. I didn't have the cash on me, but um, some guy had the 12 inch plush Jar Jar that you'd squeeze his hand and he'd talk. Oh, and the batteries geez. actually were still working on it. Wow. I almost got it. <laughs> um, number four, Yaddle is actually an early young Yoda design uh, concept artist. Ian McCraig began designing the Jedi Master's younger look as an eight-year-old version of the character. That concept eventually became another Jedi in the film, Yaddle. Eight years old. <laughs> that had been a long time ago. You, you think Star Wars was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? Try another thousand years before that. <laughs> yep. Nope. Yep. Um, let's see. Number five, the moving mechanism inside 3PO's head is a missile gyroscope. Uh, Chief model maker Lauren Peterson had found it and let the effects team borrow it, he said, in the making of Featurette. Discoveries from inside models and miniatures. So That's kind of awesome. Uh, number six, the design of the heavy troop transport, uh, the MTT, was inspired by elephants. And I will say the, f- I told that. the first celebration I was at when they when Hasbro released the MTT or they were getting ready to release the MTT toy for the first time with all the battle droids that were in it. That sucker was cool. Yeah, mm. it really was. Um, now, in the featurette conversations, Doug Chain looks back. The concept artist talked about using familiar shapes to help the audience understand the design on a basic level. If you look at the front, the tiny slits represent the elephant's eyes and his forehead. And the trunk I turned into the door, and the tusks actually become the two guns on the sides. I told you. Yeah. And yet, there's a, a picture going around on Facebook of a pig that has Yoda on its face, on its head. Just the way the ears are, the um, the warts, or the, the wrinkles, whatnot, on top of the pig's head, lights yeah. up to almost be Yoda's face. <laughs> I have not seen that. If I find it, I'll send it to you guys again. (laughs) Um, Number seven, costume colors are specific to the planets of the galaxy far, far away. Ian McCraig and costume designer Trisha Bigger worked together to create the palettes, gray, brown, and black for Corsican, green and gold for Naboo, 
and sun bleach sandy colors for Tatooine. That's funny because the picture they show of Queen Amidala on Nebu is all pinks and golds. Yeah. <laughs> or red and golds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this makes sense. I mean, uh, you use the um, colors and stuff, right? Even in our own um, world here on Earth, if depending on where you're at, you, a lot of people's clothes match where they're at color-wise and stuff. It's what's yeah. available for where you're at. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, number eight, Ewan McGregor had dialogue coaching to prepare for his role. He worked mm. hard to capture the calming tones and inflections of Sir Alec Guinness to play, to best play the character, which he called quite tricky. I think he, he did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Which, if y'all aren't aware, Ewan McGregor is the nephew to the gentleman who plays Wedge Antilles. Yeah, Dennis Lawson. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson got the role of Mace Windu in a part through an appearance of a British talk show, TFI Friday, to promote a different movie. Uh, the casting director for Phantom Menace, Robin Gerland, heard that Jackson made his wish to be in the new Star Wars known while chatting on the talk show, and the rest is history. Nice. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard this one, too, I think. Uh, Ahmed Best was discovered through his performance in the theater show Stomp. Garland happened to catch the show and spotted Best in the cast. His energy and performance made her realize he's Jar Jar. That's interesting, because being able to pick him out of the out of a group like that, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It show, that definitely shows he's got something. Yep. Now... Greg Propes, oh, got an itch. Greg Propes and Scott Cooperow recorded their podcast pod racing commentary in prosthetics and makeup. <laughs> their footage would later be used as reference for their digital characters, Fode and Bead. Nice. Well, it makes sense. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, you sure, have sure. to do it separately, like this, because how are you going to get two heads on? <laughs> yeah, right. But you can't the, puppet that one, or it's hard to puppet that one. Well, and they used everything that's digital reference, but mm-hmm. they didn't have to put on the makeup. But I think and the funny thing is, though, if you look at the makeup they did, they, they wore here, that doesn't look anything like the final product. No. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me. They have a link here. Let's see. They had. They showed a picture of Foden Bead. Yeah. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, like yeah. beads. Uh, Fode, yes. Bead, no. They were both. You could tell they were both. Um, they were not done developing these characters when they put them right. in the prosthetics. Right. Yeah. Uh, Plo Koon was named after the son of creature effects supervisor Nick Dundum. Dun- Dudman. I decided to call one of the Jedi Plo Koon because we called my son that during his first year of life. I wrote down Plo Koon. George crossed out the N, and Plo Koon was born. So I wonder what, what his son's actual name is. Yeah. Uh, the three Wookiees in the Galactic Senate all wore the same Chewbacca costume from the Lucasfilm archive. Uh, oh. The actor in the old suit was filmed three different times with slight adjustments made to the hair. When the shots <laughs> were put together, we ended up with three different Wookiees out of one suit, said Dudman. Wow. I did and not so know small that. out there. Yeah, they, but it was so small out there, you really couldn't tell anyway if it was all the exact same footage. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, in the very first scene of The Phantom Menace that was filmed featuring Darth Sidious and Darth Maul, uh, their balcony chat on Corsican marked the beginning of production in 1997. Mm. Uh, yeah. And if you remember from Celebration, um, Ian McKellen, there, or, yeah, was saying that at that point he still wasn't didn't know for sure that the emperor and Sidious and Palpatine were all the same. Right. 
He um, thought Sidious was a totally different character. He just happened, to, and they asked him, that, and all of a sudden he's doing it. He's like, wait a minute, why am I playing Sidious? <laughs> yeah. Um, number 15. After a monstrous storm destroyed almost everything on the Mos Espa set, which I think was talked about when uh, Marty and I interviewed Jake Lloyd, uh, the Tunisian army helped rebuild it. So thanks to one fact, thanks to that fact, uh, that one set was luckily left in one piece. That was the landing ramp of the Naboo Royal Starship. Plus the efforts of the entire crew and the local helpers. Production continued without delay. That's cool. Um, 16. The Jedi and the Sith went through 300 aluminum lightsaber blades while filming the Phantom Menace. Wow. wow. You got to think, there was only um, three lightsaber wielders in that entire movie. Yeah. No one else fought in that movie except for Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Darth Maul. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. So three actors went through 300 blades. <laughs> well, three actors and their stunt people, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, stunt coordinator Nick Gilliard helped build the new lightsabers for the physically and mentally in- intensive duels. Um, 17, Watto was only, has only one full tusk so the audience could see his mouth move. <laughs> uh, the Toy Darian was originally designed with two large tusks on either side of his trunk-like nose, but they would have prevented his lips from fully shaping words with an M or a B. One tusk was broken off, and his lopsided smile was born. <laughs> That's cool. For a re- I mean, I, I've noticed that he'd only had one tusk, but I thought he had just lost it. It was part of just building the character is that he lost it at some point. Yeah. That's cool that it actually had a practical reason. Yeah. Uh, Watto was also the first CG character that the effects team went to work on. Through his design and motions, the team quickly learned how to achieve what they wanted on a feature on featured digital characters. Even the cord on his tool belt, too, had its own computer program written to simulate its movement properly. Same would be later used with Jar Jar's flapping ears. Uh, now this one I did not know. I think this is cool. Some of the audience, some of the audience members at the Bunta Eve Classic are colorful cotton swabs. <laughs> Sometimes practical effects work best to achieve just the right three dimensional look from, for far away shots. And a model maker had the creative idea to use the swabs in the arena's models. Awesome. <laughs> So now I'm looking I'm at zooming the... in to look, and I don't know. I know. I can't really tell. I, think... I can't spot any of them. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, sixth row up by the right hand stairs. You see the gentleman standing up yeah. right next to him on the left or the right? To his left. To his left? I don't know. I still can't tell. That may be because there's another one. The same creature type further over. Hmm. Well, that's how good that is, though, because you can't, really can't tell. Even looking really cl- tight, we can't, you know? See, th- yeah. those two, to me, look like they would be. No, in my luck, those are actual practical or actual people that they <laughs> filled in <Probably>. with. <laughs> but I, I see, but looking in this, I see duplicates of the same people with different costumes. Well, that that's not especially back right. then. That was quite common. Uh, you may see people, yeah, the same people with the same costumes because they would duplicate and randomly throw them in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Some of the cheers and jeers emanating from the audience at the pod race are from a San Francisco 49ers game. <laughs> Sound designer Ben Burt recorded the crowd reactions at the football game himself. Yeah, why not? So, um, so yeah. If you want more behind-the-scenes stuff with the Phantom Menace, you can find the complete featurette on the Star Wars YouTube channel called Beginning making Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace to see the results of that disastrous storm uh, and Ewan McGregor choosing his very own lightsaber hilt and much more. So, because we figure Obi-Wan's um, Padawan, an initial Jedi Master hilt, is different from what he ends up with by the time we get to A New Hope. Yeah. So. Well, we see through Episodes 1, 2, and 3 how many times the Jedi actually <laughs> lose a lightsaber and have to build a new one. Yeah. 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 And I think, isn't that um, documentary actually on the Blu-ray box set also? Uh, I don't remember. And I have the box set. Yeah, mine's downstairs, so I couldn't check anyway. So. It wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Like Derek said. Um, that was the cool thing about the uh, prequels was Lucas made sure he hired extra people that were just there to do behind-the-scenes stuff. Yep. Mm. That's why there's such great footage and great shot stuff from behind-the-scenes and the whole chronicle of how the movies were done and stuff. Yep. Now, this I am surprised with. Star Wars fans launch a campaign for Disney to film a Han Solo sequel. Yeah. This is kind That's of very strange. I mean, when will, when will people realize that studios don't care about these petition things? True, but in this case, it's actually for something decent. Well, yeah, but... See, I, th- I think this would be a... See, this is where I think it's a positive. Because, yeah. I mean, oh, wow. this is saying, you know, it it's... You can't fault... You, know, you can't hold it against the vocal minority in their little, little temper tantrum over Last Jedi that, you, that we don't get a solo sequel, which doesn't sound right. Mm. You that, can hold it against them. <laughs> Right, it, but by not letting them win, grant the sequel. Because all these people who, oh, well, we should have seen it in the theater and, and not wait till the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, sorry, folks. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised because um, Alden Ehrenreich is not a huge name yet. Um, and they have Jonas anyway. He's not planning on doing anything but Chewbacca right now anyway. Right. I would not be surprised to see this show up on Disney Plus as a series. They did enough, They put enough out there story-wise that this would make an excellent TV series. Well, even the Adventures that, of Han and Chewie. That even, would definitely be. Well, I was going to say, even if you just did a straight-to-Disney Plus movie for the sequel. Yeah. And then do a Crimson, uh, Crimson Dawn series instead. Well, see, if you did the series with Han and Chewie and all, you could do Crimson Dawn, all of that. Um, Donald Glover already does um, TV series. Yeah. You know, so it's not like he's opposed to doing a TV series. Right. And I'm sure, you know, the chance to play uh, uh, Lando again. Yeah. I'm sure he'd be down for that. Well, and I know, Ray, you know, Ray Park would be in for it. Yeah. Amelia mm-hmm. Clark would be all over it as one. Well, she doesn't have to get naked. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is. I think that's. You're printing money at that point if you make a solo series. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So um, last week, apparently, fans launched a campaign calling for Disney to make a sequel. Um, now, this is from the Death by Stereo or Joe. Joe Blow. JoeBlow.com. Com. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now he says I enjoy Solo quite a bit. Actually, in truth. 
I place it high above the franchise's other side side piece, Rogue One. Uh, me personally, I put Rogue One over Solo. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's a toss up, but I would put Rogue One. Yeah, those over are probably even right now, but Solo I think is just a little over because of the nostalgia part of it. See, Rogue, to me, Rogue One's got it because that was that was something I always wanted as a kid. That was something that we did the start with me and my friends played with our Star Wars figures. That was one of the things we did. How did the how did the rebellion get the rebel plant or the Death Star plants? We came up with that story and it was never the same story twice. So, yeah, this was this was great. Um, now, Disney has no plans at the moment to put a solo sequel into production uh, that, they've announced. that they've announced. Um, but they are giving Benioff and Weiss from Game of Thrones fame a chance to, to do their own film, potentially trilogy, uh, in the Star Wars universe. Um, perhaps, you know, and of course, that rumor is coming heavy with uh, Old Republic. And I say that's a possibility because look at one of your saber options you could build at Galaxy's Edge. It's an older lightsaber that has writing on it from a language that's not recognizable at the moment. Well, that could be from the the Old Republic era. Possibly, yeah. Which would be great if they're tying that in with a Knights of the Old Republic era film. I'm just saying. We wouldn't see stuff like this in the parks as being able to be built if it wasn't something that was coming down the pike. Yeah. So, or it could also be uh, um, something to throw back because Star Wars the MMO the um, I forget um, it's still actually going. Yeah, Star Wars the and old maybe Republic. a throwback to yeah the old Republic that might be a throw for the people that actually are playing the old Republic and maybe something you recognize out of the game. Yeah, which is supposedly where the series is, is where this movie's coming from. Yeah, because that whole time period still takes place during the time period of Knights of the Old Republic one and two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I still think they need to go back even farther. Go back to Tales of the Jedi era. Yeah, give us a thousand years ago when the when um, the wild galaxy that we know now was actually wild. Well, that would have been 10,000 years ago. I thought. I thought Tails was about 1,000. No, no, no. It was like five to 10,000. No, yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait. wait. Have- Because Old Republic is 1,000 years. That would have been around the, the birth no, of Yoda. Uh, Old Republic, I thought, was only about 500 years. No, it's, the- it's about 1,000. Because it's right around the birth of Yoda. My only question would be how would it. Um, how would those movies do? Outside of the Star Wars fandom, because you do have to take that into consideration too. If you, if the stories had a Dungeons and Dragons slash Game of Thrones vibe to them, possibly. Well, you do have to have something that is familiar, so you may not, you may only want to go back a couple hundred years. Right, that's what I'm saying. It still has to have something that ties it into Star Wars, and not just like saying, "Oh, there's Jedi here." Because oh, well, at Rogue right. One, Rogue One, everybody knew when they said, okay, they're sealing the Death Star plans. Okay, the general population knows what you're talking about because they know the Death Star and they, um, and the beginning of A New Hope says, hey, they, we just won the battle. We're gonna, we just got the Death Star plans. Right. Okay, oh. now we know where we're at. So we need a touchstone. 
Why not? Where you're at. Why not go back to the end of the where, where the Sith are, are pretty much killed off or run off into hiding themselves? See, you got even there though. You're picking the Star Wars fans, not the main movie audience, because they're not gonna have any idea what you're talking about. Right. The general movie going audience that you're trying to get for just a general going out to a movie on a Friday night has no idea that the um, Sith were ever actually more than just what you saw in the movies. Right, but this would this would be the time for that though. Yeah. To show that. But you need something to tell them that what it is that they're looking at. You can't you can't just assume that they're gonna go for the ride and learn it. I mean, they would learn it by watching the movie. Right. But that's not gonna bring it, put them into the seat to start with. Right, but if they're like, if they're doing the old republic, but doing the Sith wars, or the Sith are are run out, because maybe maybe this is just me because I'm I've been listening to the Count Dooku book, and they and I'm at the part where um they're talking about Dooku and uh, Sifo-Dyas go down into the temple to this Don't one. Don't give up too much because I've not heard it yet. <laughs> yeah, and there's a there's an archives that have Sith stuff, dark side artifacts yeah. in it, and. And it, and the 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 que- there there's question on my 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 opinion at the moment with the book with where I'm at in the book. I'm still early into it. I'm only an hour into it. It's almost a six hour book. Yeah. Um. Is the Sith don't exist at the moment that anyone's aware of? Well, yeah, we know that. So so it leads right up to you know supporting the whole the Sith are back. There's no way. Even though by the time we get to that in um, Phantom Menace, we know Dooku is Darth Tyrannus. We know about Sidious and Maul, so... Yeah, that, that's great. The problem is, Star Wars fans are going to have read that book. The general movie-going audience still will have no idea what that book was about. Right. Right. You got to have a hook that brings in the general movie-going audience so they... Um, it's real easy that says, "Hey, you're in the world of Star Wars because look at this, this, and this." Right. But, but if you get you start to get deep into um, deep into the mythos, we are going to love it. But you're not going to. You got to think they're in the the business of making money. But if they, if they, if right. every Star Wars fan of the world sees it six times, you're still not going to make um, make the money back. Um, back. Yeah, but if they. If- they took the Sith and made them almost the equivalent of like the White Walkers in you know, the earth, the actual Sith race, mm-hmm. not the religion. Yeah. And make them almost like the White Walkers from Game of Thrones in the old Republic era. I think that could draw people's attention outside of the Star Wars fandom into this film. What are you going to do to make people look at that and see what it is? That's what I'm saying. You got to think that people going into the theater, you want them yeah. to have a general idea of what's going on already, somewhat. At least know the era you're in. But the general movie-going audience has never even heard of the Old Republic. Right. right. But you ha- you They've would- only seen what's in the movies. But you have to precursor and, and not that. Even all of them. But you can you can precursor that. You can try. I mean, you you, you can't assume that people are going to watch a precursor. I mean, you- I, I'm just like double advocate. I want to see everything you're saying. <laughs> Well, the, the, right. the, yeah, that's the thing we do but also to to do well. But there, there's nothing that says that you can't um, call this series, you know, Star Wars: The Old Republic, and then give it a a title, like Star Wars: The Old Republic: The Rise of the Sith. Yeah. See, a series like that, though, I think is is a Disney Plus series. Because what they're aiming for at Disney Plus is the Star Wars fans that are already going to be Star Wars fans. For the bi- big right. box office tentpole movie, they want something that um, the general grandma on the corner is going to say, hey, I remember that laser movie. They had laser swords and all this other stuff in it. Let's go see that. That's who they're aiming at. See, I'm, I am I'm specifically thinking about my wife 
and how she looks at it. I mean, she loves the Star Wars movies and everything, but that's as far as it goes. She doesn't know anything about the cartoons or the the TV shows coming out, the comics, the books. She doesn't know any of that. All she knows is the movies. So, so my the the only the only thing that's the only thing that that is a slight concern to me is how she would look at something like that Knights of the Old Republic. If it yeah. if it would be something that would appeal to her. Obviously it's something that I'm all for. I say go for it, but they do have to consider that. Right. Now what you could do is if you make sure you put it within the five about five hundred years before and you, you like open the trailer with Yoda and then we see it through right. like his eyes to start with, because that would hook people. They hey, I know that guy. You need right. someone that can so, bring a bring the general audience into this and and uh, they will recognize who this person is. If you just put right, a lightsaber because, in someone's hand, they're gonna see Star Wars, but they're not gonna have any idea what's going on. Right. So, so Where you're saying we potentially go back to maybe where Yoda eventually becomes uh, becomes a master. Possibly, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Um, all I'm saying is it needs to it needs to not be. It needs to have some familiarity for the people that aren't yeah. that aren't the the deep fans like us. So they have okay. to have, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish what you've got. I was going to say it has to have something in there that people will look at and go, "Oh, okay, I know what this. You know, this is obviously another Star Wars movie. I know what this is." And right, and not 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 look be at- like, "I have no clue what's going on." Yeah. Well, you look at the model of the Lord of the Rings universe. We got the three Lord of the Rings movies, and everybody was loving those. When they went back to make The Hobbit, they still had um, – now, the, people went with them that, okay, this is a Bilbo story. But you remember they made a big deal about Gandalf being there because that's a familiar character that everybody knew. Old Bilbo was in the Lord of the Rings trilogies, but you notice some of the extra stuff that they added from the appendices and stuff were all Gandalf stories because they knew – people know Gandalf from the first movies. Oh, he's that old wizard guy. Mm-hmm. Right. And I guarantee that helped bring some of the people in to see that movie. I right. mean a lot of it was just the fact that it's The Hobbit and the, the age of those stories makes it so that a lot of people knew those stories. Mm-hmm. But it was still another one that they had a hook to bring people in. Right. They don't if they can help it, they don't want to build a brand new fan base, which Star Wars is not going to build a brand new fan base. But they're looking for, uh, like I said, the general guy on the street. Okay, what is he looking for in a Star Wars movie? Right. Because like the Star Wars fans, we could all see it, like I said, six, seven times each. And still, they wouldn't make the money they're hoping to make. So yeah. they just have to be careful about yeah. how how they go. That's what's going to make it so fun watching these and seeing what they do with it. Mm-hmm. Now, we could be totally off base, and Mike, you could be dead on with what you got. <laughs> sure, yeah. This is called speculation, and we're still three years out from this. Yeah. I just, I just don't know how that will be received with the general public, which unfortunately yeah. is something you have to keep in mind. Now, if my theory is right about Luke Skywalker and the rise of Skywalker, as we talked, as Derek and I talked about last week, 
Yeah. With the far stretch. Hey. I, I will lay down money then on the Benioff and Weiss concept, what they may do with their well, film. That, well, let's or, go or way they, off. In, or what they do with a older public film. Let's go way off in tinfoil hat land. And uh, <laughs> remember the concept of flow walking from the novels back in the old EU. And what's the chances we see Luke Skywalker back in time the, these in these movies? Because he was flow walking back, and we see it from his point of view. He's watching these events happen. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's another one that will never happen, but it's hey. something books would have made uh, available. Because if I remember, it wasn't – there was um, – it was um, Anakin Scott or um, Jason Solo was able to do this if I remember correctly, right? It wasn't it basically you could um, your brain or um, your mind could travel back and actually see events from the past or something like that. I have fuzzy recollection of this. Yeah, I think so. I think you might be thinking of Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, 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 no. This was actually in the novels. No, I know. I'm just kidding. Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler. Luke Skywalker's brand, the three-eyed raven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now we had fun okay. last week with that whole <laughs> the dice were a vessel, and mm-hmm. hey, I thought I pitched a pretty good argument as far fetched as it was. Sure, sure. It, it was so uh, it, it was so far fetched. It would work great on Ken's wife's show, Tales from the Dark Tales from the Darkness. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that'd be a concept I can see all kinds of people running with. All the tinfoil hat people. Thing is, yeah, here you go. There, there's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of people running with that concept, though. Mm-hmm. So if, yeah. if that yeah. if that ends up happening, then is, is that like would that make us one of the best things ever? That we we're like the only group that came up with that concept. Yeah, that'd be crazy. But actually, this reading what flow walking was here, this makes it even more fun to think of what they could do with this. Flow walking is a rare Jedi force power used by the um, Ing monks or the Ing monks. It was taught to Jason Solo by the Ing, allowing him to view the past and the future, which we know Jedi can do already. Right. Uh, when one used flow walking. They could change a person's perception of the past, but not the past itself. So you can change their memories of the past. Right. So imagine what you could do with that and Luke looking into the past and changing, or maybe not changing, but I don't know, to see it gives another option of then we know, oh, this is all from Luke's point of view. Because we know Star Wars all works on a certain point of view. Right. Yeah. Well, to continue. What's up with the last two weeks all about the tinfoil hat conspiracy theories in Star Wars? <laughs> I, I got a new box of tinfoil. Yeah. That's what happens when we take a new format to the show and we're actually allowed to just speculate wildly. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there's only one thing that can be said when we come up with all these speculations. It will test your head and your mind and your brain. And allow them all to explode. Stop mocking me! <laughs> but it's so much fun. <laughs> so, um, oh, who is it? Uh, Jonathan Kasdan took to Twitter, responding to the fans expressing their support for the sequel, teasing what he wanted to do um, in a follow-up film. And in his Twitter, he goes, Beyond grateful and galvanized by the hashtag MakeSolo2Happen energy on Twitter today means so much to everyone involved 
and your enthusiasm makes it possible for us to keep advocating for it because the maker knows there's a war story set in a galaxy far, far away that's yet to be told, and war is capitalized. Mm-hmm. Well, it's in the name of the series, Star Wars. Right. <laughs> and we but, know the, the Empire and the Rebellion's coming already. Right. Uh, now, he also included in his post images that uh, represent Crimson Dawn, the Hutt Cartel, and the Pike Syn- Syndicate. Ah. And all three were featured in Solo. Mm-hmm. So he was um, heading towards a game war, or cartel war, basically. So basically, he was heading to the cartel wars, yeah. Or mob war, however you wanted to do it. They, I could, I would almost like to see a '30s style um, mob war between the yeah. three syndicates, three gangs. The twenty, yeah. twenty, a '20s, '30s mob movie, Star Wars mob movie. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. Because yeah, we've seen through the uh, Marvel movies, because of the just way they've done it, that they've taken, they've very successfully taken different genres of movies and made and just put it into their universe. If it was done correctly, you could do that with Star Wars. So you go for. But the, we've seen Solo and with um, the West Rogue One. Yeah. yeah, Solo was very much Western. It had some other stuff in it. Rogue One was a war movie. Yep. Right. It, it was that World War One, World War Two spy espionage war film. So could you see a Dick Tracy style movie? in this uh, Dick Tracy mob um, good guys and bad guys movie in Star Wars that would be because think of some of the villains of Dick Tracy it could have been Star Wars characters Solo 2 Solo 2 could be that film Mm -hmm. so and then we can see the return of the holodisks the the portable holodisks for communications yeah (laughs) so um, now um Kasdan said uh, he shared on Twitter personally I think there are great Star Wars movies to be made that don't need to quite or need to cost quite so much. Hopefully, that will be the trend in years to come. And maybe just that trend will allow us one way or another to tell more stories with Eldon, Jonas, Amelia, and Donald. He also added, with those actors and Ron Howard, I would jump at the opportunity, given the way Hollywood and culture at, at large seem to run from anything labeled a disappointment. The odds seem that they're against it happening anytime soon, but I suppose Han... Wouldn't have it any other way. True. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we know they have three officially on the schedule. It doesn't mean they can't throw in another one here and there. True. Or like we said, go to straight either a movie straight to Disney Plus or a new, another series. We know there's a third live action series coming. We Boy. don't know what it is. That could be your mob rumor or show. And if it's the cartel wars, who's to say that we have the cartel wars leading up to the battle between the Empire and the Rebellion, and then the aftermath of the cartel wars and their survival is what we see in the Mandalorian. Possibly. So, um, I don't know. I don't like the idea of doing it a cartel war style because that actually sounds more like a more of a modern gangster movie. I like the idea of doing the old school, like 30s and 40s gangster movies, right? Yeah, the right. old mobsters and stuff because yeah. they've we've had so many modern gangster movies and stuff starting from the 70s, 70s with the Godfather series a little bit because that, that was its own thing, but going through Scarface and all the way through the 80s and the 90s, and they've never stopped making those movies. Well, I, that's I, why it's like we need to go back to a classic old school gangster movie. See, I say the cartel wars because that's what the game, that's what the mobs are in Star Wars. Yeah. The cartels. That's why I say cartel wars. Yeah, I'm wondering, but that would also give you a chance to bring in 
um, things like Black Sun. Yeah. Because we know um, from what we've seen in other things, it looks like Crimson Dawn eventually probably loses this and the Huts win. Yeah. Because the Huts are the most powerful gangsters in the galaxy once we get a little farther in. Right. But you could bring in where did Black Sun fit into this? Where Because actually, I think we saw Black Sun in um, in Clone Wars, didn't we? Briefly. They were, they were there once or twice. But it's like yeah. I think the, the way it looks that the Pikes in the um, – it looks like Black Sun would be number two behind the Huts. Right. Eventually. So it'd be right. cool to see how that evolves. Now, speaking of Clone Wars, it is led to believe, well, headline from We Got This Covered is Disney canceled Star Wars The Clone Wars because they thought it was too graphic. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> um, when Disney canceled Star Wars The Clone Wars, uh, the studio was claiming that they wanted to pursue a new direction in animation programming. After a rocky start, the show developed into an unexpectedly compelling watch with some all-time favorite Star Wars characters. Not to mention, it was happy to explore some of the strange corners of that galaxy far, far away that you'd never see in a film. Now, most assume Disney canceled it as part of the continuity shakeup that saw the expanded universe thrown in. Okay, I, I don't appreciate this author saying this. Um, that saw the expanded universe thrown in the trash. No. Well, the expanded universe the was... Okay, yeah, from an yeah. outsider's point of view. Outside looking in, that's what they saw. And they, because um, you got to think, because right. the was canceled right after that. And they, for the outside looking in, they probably didn't even. Re- haven't seen anything that said they um where they realized clone wars was never taken out of canon that was always still left in there right. as part of canon right but right. outside looking in they don't see that yeah, this but, isn't starwars.com this is we got discovered right but the whole thing about the expanded universe was thrown in the trash no it wasn't it was all kept yeah. it was just moved into the proper classification it's legend material because mm-hmm. as we've talked about many, many times, even Lucas did not consider it canon. Even yeah. though he borrowed parts of it for canon, it's not. The actual stories are not canon. Yeah. And stuff that has been brought over, like the Kessel Run, like Han's time in the Academy, that's all been told in the EU, is now canon. Well, Characters. the Kessel part of the original canon anyway, because that was actually right. mentioned in um, New Hope. Now, the, uh, um, I was just there, Thrawn characters. Thrawn has been pulled into canon. Story reworked, yeah. but they were smart about it. They went back to the original author and creator of the character to redo the origin and the story of, of Thrawn. So, um, but according to Boba Fett's voice actor, Daniel Logan, the studio acted because there was concerns about violence in the increasingly adult tone. Speaking at London Comic-Con, Logan said, Disney, they canceled it. I think it was getting too a little too graphic. Actually, it was getting really graphic. Boba was doing some really cool stuff, really, really cool stuff. He started actually becoming a bounty hunter at the time. Uh, it was just too graphic. I think for what Disney was used to, uh, we actually started recording seven episodes that didn't get aired. So there were so many episodes that were that was coming up, and Boba was just doing some really cool stuff. I don't cry, but I started tearing up when I saw some of these episodes and what I was doing. So actually, so we actually recorded them. Yeah, that's all that's left. They may come back. You never know. 
Now, it was replaced a little later by a slightly toned down Star Wars Rebels, which has now been superseded by Star Wars Resistance. And by July 2018, even the most optimistic fans had resigned themselves to never finding out how the finale, the Clone Wars saga, would happen. Then we found out at Comic-Con that the much-loved show was resurrected for a 12-episode run that will appear on Disney+. Plus. So who knows? Maybe we'll see some of those already recorded Boba Fett episodes. Uh, if not, I say we'll bring it back for another season after that. If it if the ratings are are well enough. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I've been saying that for a long time. Let the Clone Wars run forever. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's that's that. Now, um, Star Wars Galaxy Edge opening this week. Um, but the comic second issue came out this week or this past week as well. Uh, came out on the 29th and it reveals a, a new hope backstory. Okay. So the Titan comic released ahead of the soon to be uh, theme park expansion. Uh, reveals a mini prequel to A New Hope, or Star Wars. Uh, it returns to the end of the Clone Wars on a plan on the planet of Megiddo. Jedi Master Kia Mundi is murdered by stormtroopers command, commanded to execute Order 66. In present day, First Order officer confronts legendary Ithorian Doc Ondar in his den of antiquities, a shop containing unique galactic artifacts. The officer holds up a lightsaber that once belonged to Kia Mun- Kied Mundi. He ignites the blue laser sword as he threatens Doc Doc Angar, who simply says he's who says he's simply a humble store proprietor with nothing but respect for the first order. Uh, to the officer, there's a quote of the officer's line. Your den is renowned across the galaxy for being the place to require just about any relic or symbol of consequence for the right price. The type of place resistance spies might seek out if they were looking for something to help turn the tide of war, a Jedi weapon, perhaps. Unbeknownst to the pack of the First Order troopers, a video droid has been planted along uh, Undar's many treasures. A new dawn is coming, Doc Undar, and it won't be long before owning Jedi weapons will once again be a crime with consequences. So, um... Ah, no, farther down tells you the actual backstory that it t- tags in. We're going back and seeing the backstory with Greedo. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, I forgot how they get back to it, but basically it's back on Megiddo years ago, Vice Chairman Anolo of the Banking Clan plans to, to wage a war against the Huts for access to their smuggling routes. Anolo has a cybernetic ally enhanced a given a species known for their mathematical proudness as a codebreaker. Uh, Analo has Kiamundi's lightsaber on display as a prize and a reminder of the extinct Jedi who focused on wrong, on the wrong kind of power. The meeting is interrupted from sniper fire from Greedo and his accomplice Takva says, um, job of the hut made a mistake putting Greedo in charge of the operation. Mm-hmm. So basically Greedo's a bumbling idiot. Mm-hmm. So, it makes sense if you watch the way he goes down. Yeah, because one thing you should know about me, Takva Grito says, leaping into action, is that I never miss. Well, you missed once. Mm-hmm. If you go by the current canon, but I still no, went he to, didn't. I still into the theory he never shot. No, Han Han only shot. Yes. 
So, and we stand by that here on the show. Um, so yeah, so we see a little bit of this whole mission and, you know, it's more of the backstory and just see how much Greedo's an idiot. Yeah. So, and how actually makes what happened in a new hope even funnier. Yeah. Yeah. And actually it kind of helps. It, um, explains a little bit about, um, the way Han treats him to start with. Right. Because Han the whole time knows he's going to, um, fry Greedo. Well, and with this, too, it says, you know, some of the final stuff between Jabba and Greedo is the Jabba's mercy isn't free, and he has another task for Greedo, one last chance to restore Jabba's faith. Let's see how you can now handle a simple bounty, Jabba says. Greedo says, or swears he won't fail this time, and sets out into the tattooing desert. It will be Greedo's fa- final bounty, and Amos Isaac Antina, the bounty hunter who never misses, would be shot and killed when attempting to claim his bounty on Han Solo. Well, the good news is he didn't have to face the wrath of Jabba. True. This is true. Yeah, the Rancor didn't get him this time. <laughs> yep. So, um, since we're talking about books, let's talk about what's coming up uh, this next week um, or this next couple weeks from uh, in the Star Wars universe. Uh, next week, we got from Marvel, Age of the Rebellion, Luke Skywalker number one. Really? Only just the one book? Yay, my pocketbook's <laughs> relieved. And then from IDW, Star Wars Adventures number 22. Um, and then on the 11th, Alphabet Squadron finally comes out. Yay. Cool. And then we have Age of the Rebellion, Darth Vader number one, Dr. Afra number 33, the Unspeakable or unspeakable Rebel Superweapon part two, um, Vader, Dark Visions number five, which is five of five, and Star Wars Adventures Destroyer Down, so which is a graphic novel novella, and it collects Star Wars Adventures Destroyer Down one through three. Mm-hmm. So that's that from for the first two weeks. Alphabet Squadron is supposed to be really really good. Yes, and it's supposed to be the companion to uh, Tie Fighter, the Tie Fighter comic. Mm-hmm. Oh right. So, um, so yeah, that's gonna wrap it up. Any final thoughts? Not that I can remember. Uh, other than um, Derek, congratulations! I I said beforehand, but um, I listened to that episode one hundred that you guys talked about last week. It was good stuff, man. For keepers. Oh, thank. I appreciate that. It is my upcoming listen in the next two days. I know. I know. I you got, got to mow the lawn. I got to mow the lawn tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we had a lot with it. So, hey, milestone shows like that are always fun to do. So, mm-hmm. um, any other final thoughts? That's all I had. Mm. Well, if there's nothing else, then there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jets! I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. Glad you made it back, sir. It's getting nasty out there.